Hi, listeners. Welcome to Grief Out Loud. Remember the last time you tried to talk about grief and suddenly everybody left the room? Grief Out Loud is opening up this often avoided conversation because grief is hard enough without having to go through it alone. We bring you a mix of personal stories, tips for supporting children, teens, and yourself, and interviews with professionals in the grief world. Platitude and cliche-free, we promise. Grief Out Loud is hosted by me, Jana DeCristofaro, and produced by the Dougie Center for Grieving Children and Families in Portland, Oregon. When we're grieving, a major point of connection that can also be a point of a lot of tension is facing the question, what do we do with all the stuff left behind when someone dies? There are so many items, big and small, that create a landscape of evidence that the person existed. For today's guest, Nicole Leslie, who was 15 when her mother died three years ago, going through her mother's clothing turned into a creative outlet for expressing grief. Nicole started a blog called Remembrance Wardrobe, where she posts outfits she puts together from a mix of her mother's clothing, as well as pieces from her own closet and her grandmother's. In addition to being super fashionable, Nicole's mother was also a poet. And Nicole weaves lines from her mother's poetry into each blog post. Nicole, welcome to Grief Out Loud. Thank you so much for talking with me today. Hi, thank you for having me on here today. Can you tell us a little bit about your mom? I mean, you were a teenager when she died. So what kind of teenager-mom relationship did you have? My mom was very kind and creative person who always wanted the best for others. She always put others before herself. And she would help anyone who was sad or needed to be talked to. She just really gave great advice. I could be talking about nothing and she'd be fully attentive and the advice was amazing about our passions, careers that my sister and I would talk about. When I was little, I was so passionate about being a cheetah or being a superhero (laughs) and she would always support that. But then when I got older and I was very interested in fashion and art, she was also very supportive of that. And she would give me paints and give me uh, markers to draw with. It really helped me because even though now she isn't physically with me, I still get to look back at that. And I sometimes doubt myself and I look back at the advice she gave me. And um, I always am still feel the supportive advice she gives. That passion that you've had for fashion and creativity that your mom was so supportive of, that's really what comes through in your blog, Remembrance Wardrobe. And, you know, that that, that can be so hard to figure out what do we do with all of the stuff that the person has left behind. And you, you and your sister together went through your mom's closet and her clothes. And like, what did you discover that you didn't know before? Yeah, there's so, I think a lot of people realize when, Um, a person passes away, there's so much stuff that they have. And it's kind of like a baggage of emotional and physical stuff that's left behind. And going through our mother's clothing was very difficult at first. We actually had to wait about three years to go through it all because when she passed away, I remember we went into the room and we could still smell her. And some of the items were still placed in the exact same way she left it. It was so difficult to really look at that and to go through it. So when we had the ability and strength to get through it, 
we went through it and it was very eye-opening because a lot of these clothes we haven't seen before, maybe like on pictures and, but we haven't seen it physically. A lot of these clothes were from the 70s, 80s, 90s. So I think she kind of hid those away because they're very different than what she would normally wear, which was like sweatshirts. These were trousers, um, sweaters, coats. These are just very cool outfits that I have never seen. I was always looking on Pinterest and on H&M for these kind of similar clothing that I didn't even know that I was already capable of having um, because I was finding my own personal style during this time. I felt like I was meant to go through her clothing because we had such similar styles. It was honestly very life-changing. So you were finding these clothes in the present day, and little did you know your mom had almost matching pieces in the back of her closet. Exactly. Exactly. I didn't have to go out and buy these. I already were seeing them right in front of me. It was very crazy. And then in your blog, it's really fascinating because you you put together an outfit of pieces, maybe some that are yours, some that your mom, some that are your grandmother's, and then you match each outfit with a line from your mom's poetry. What's the process of selecting both the outfit and then finding that line of poetry to connect it to? Yeah, I kind of realized I wasn't ever doing it intentionally. I kind of was just doing it. And my first ever blog post, I planned it out really heavily. And I did that for a few months where I was just writing it down and making sure it was very stylish or kind of somewhat high fashion. And then I would overthink the outfits when it came to taking the photos. I would change the outfit because I found it to be different than the poetry line. And so now what I kind of do is I look at the closet, at my closet. I just stand in front of it and I pick different items of clothing. So I'll pick like a shirt of mine and a coat that was my mom's. It also depends just on my mood of how I'm feeling that day or the weather outside or if I'm feeling a little more moody, I'll do an all black outfit with a pop of color. And then with the uh, poetry, I just look and read her poetry and whatever line sticks out to me, I pick it and um, write it down as fast as I can because I want it to be kind of the quote of the overall post. I love how it almost parallels the process of grief and that, you know, we can't, grief doesn't do well when we try to structure it or plan it or force it into a particular manifestation. And it sounds like the outfits and the poems and the poetry, kind of the same thing. They, they happen and you follow the, the guidance from them. Exactly. And I think that kind of shaped the way I view grief. I think we make grief seem as if it's a board game, as if you're going to experience this and then this and then this and sometimes it'll be all together um and recently i was listening to one of your episodes and it really inspired me she was talking about her experience with anxiety during grief and i also had really bad anxiety during the grieving process and it really helped me um, open my eyes with understanding that grief isn't this board game it's kind of just this jumbled up feelings that we feel. Yeah, it's more like, I guess if we're going with the board game analogy, it might be more like Boggle, where you just take all the yeah, just... cubes and <laughs> shake it up and see what it looks like today. 
Yeah, exactly. And it always changes. So like, I'm just trying to imagine you're putting together these outfits, you're wearing your mom's clothing, but these aren't items that you necessarily have memories of your mom wearing. What Mm -hmm. has been the process like of getting to know your mom through her clothes, even though they, it doesn't match with maybe the experience you had with her? Um, so with her clothing, I think she wore them mostly when she was younger and even maybe sometimes the age that I am now. So 18, 19, 20, that type of time frame. because she passed away when I was 15, I felt like I really didn't get to fully know her in a way because when you're 15 and you're a young uh, teenager, you're focusing more on other things about just school and friends. And so I never really got to ask my mom a lot of questions about herself. Like, where would you ever want to live if you had a million dollars? Or if you were able to do this career, what would you be? And so when I get to wear her clothes, I see this really creative person that was always there. I feel like clothing was a really big part of herself. And I just never knew that until I found them. Yeah, it's like discovering a whole other side of your mom that based on being a teenager, like you mentioned, oftentimes at at that age, we're, like you said, we're really focused on self. So we're not necessarily seeing the adults in our life as self-sufficient beings that we might want to get to know. But also that even if you were talking to her, then you, you may still not have known that much about that creative or that fashion side of her. Yeah, exactly. I think it's hard for kids to see the cool side of parents, especially Mm. if they look back at their parents when they were their age. It's kind of difficult to be like, oh, you were also a teenager. Oh, you were also in your early 20s and were cool. So it's hard to see that. But I definitely saw that when I went through her clothing. Yeah, it's almost like it takes a good two decades before maybe the fashions that our adults were wearing when they were our age start to seem feasible, reasonable. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if you'll have an answer to this question since, you know, your mom wasn't wearing these clothes when you knew her, but do you have a sense of what she would think or what your grandmother would think about how you're repurposing their clothing and the outfits that you do put together? Yeah. I like to think about that a lot, actually. I like to think that my mom would probably say that they're groovy. She always used that word, groovy. (laughs) So I think she would probably say they were groovy, but also I think she would really love how I put both of her and I's clothing together because we have such similar personalities, but we're also different at the same time. And I think you can see that when I'm using more of my clothing or her clothing, but also I try and blend it together. So I think she'd be very proud. I do think there would be some nitpicking of uh, some of the clothes and her saying how she would style it, but I think she would appreciate it. You mentioned that you and your mom had some things in common personality-wise, but also really distinct facets of yourselves. What what words would you use to describe your mom's personality? It's so weird that you bring that up because when she passed away, when we were driving on our way to the funeral, I don't know if it's the pastor or the person who talks During the um, funeral, he asked us if we can write down words to describe um, our mom. And so I remember I was sitting in the backseat of the car with my sister coming up with these words to just describe um, our mom. And it was bright and it was confident and beautiful. 
And I think we used very, like, angelic. She was just such a, everyone around her would describe her pretty much like an angel, even strangers. She just carried herself in a way that was so nurturing and kind. Your mom sounds like a pretty, like, a larger-than-life kind of person, and I'm curious, what is it like to live as her daughter? Do you find yourself trying to strive to be like her, or...? Yeah, I think when I describe her like that, we see her as someone who's very bright and confident, but she also had, she dealt with a lot of things such as depression and anxiety. And that kind of went into who I am as well. Even though she was so happy with talking to others, she, she battled with herself a lot of the times. And so it caused her to really be little herself. As I get older and I read her poetry, which can be very depressing sometimes, I see that I can fall on that same path. And so I try to step back and realize her other side, which is this person who is very selfless and who is talented and creative. So that's the one I kind of strive towards. Oh, that kind of just gave me shivers thinking about how, you know, the the shadow piece that your mom dealt with that you also deal with that you can turn to the parts of her that were light for support and inspiration when you are struggling. Yeah, cuz she was um she was never able to do her dreams, which was to be a poet and to be an author. I think because she was so selfless, she couldn't stand up for herself or couldn't say no to um, others. She wasn't able to create her poetry into actual books. And I think that really made her depressed. Even though she has passed away, I kind of want to do that for her because she deserves that. So like you're helping put her creativity out in the world in a way that she didn't have the opportunity to. Yeah, exactly. So in your grief, I mean, creating this blog has really made your grief a a public process. I mean, it's out there for anyone and anyone to check out, which listeners you should, and I'll put the link to it in our show notes. How has that been for you? What's it been like to be so public? I've always been very public um, about my mom's death for this year and kind of the year before. But when she passed away, when I was in 10th grade of high school, I was very private about it. I was very shunning it away to not only to others, but to myself, because it was very hard for me to look at it and to accept it. And I was always so afraid that people would judge me that my mom has passed away, especially in high school. Kids are young and they really don't know how to help others going through that. And that's okay because they're young and it's hard to understand when you haven't gone through it yourself. But it was a very hard time for myself because I was holding it all in and I always knew I should be um, public about it and doing something to make my grief creative, but I didn't know how during that time. And so when I came in terms with the blog, I just made it and I feel like it was honestly a journal for myself to remind myself that it's okay to be public about grief. And it felt amazing to just openly discuss my mom's death 
out and about because for years I was shunning it away. And now being public with it, I felt like I was not only helping myself, but others. Yeah. So even just the process of becoming more public, sounds like it felt really freeing and gave you permission to interact with your grief in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. And it happened after high school. Like I just stepped into a new world of leaving high school, which was this really dark place where I was hiding my mom's death and pretending to be fine. And I would even talk about my mom as if she was still alive to others because I was so afraid that breaking the ice about, oh, my mom has died. I was so scared people were going to just view me as this very um, vulnerable person. But then I got older and I just realized that it's okay to go through grief and that it's okay to be vulnerable sometimes. Hasn't it amazing like this thing that like rocks our world, totally heartbreaking. And then we have to worry or carry this fear that people are going to like judge us for somehow there's something wrong with us because something happened to us in our lives. Yeah. And it's such a normal thing that everyone goes through. I mean, even grief with death, grief through breakups, um, relationships, pets dying, anything. I feel like it's such a normal thing. There's lots of ways for people to to connect in, which I wonder sometimes if that's why there can be some of that aversion, because we all do have that like, oh yeah, I kind of have a sense of what that feels like. And I have a sense of what it could feel like. And I don't want to feel that. So if I don't talk to you about it, then I can avoid feeling that. Exactly. You know, looking back as a 10th grader, what did you need from the adults around you? What could they have done to help you in your grief? During that time, I was very, I honestly opened my eyes to how adults around you kind of deal with it themselves. And they do exactly the same thing you do, which is shun it away, even if it's not their problem. It was three to four weeks before I started 10th grade. And I was having really bad anxiety and I was so scared to go to school. And I went to the counselors. I mean, that's one of my tips is go to the counselors and let someone know that you have gone through something very life-changing um, because I was going to have to go to the funeral or I was going to have to go here and get stuff figured out. So I wasn't going to be at school some days. And I also was going through a very depressing time. So if I'm going to be a little late on homework, can I work something out? And so he let all my teachers know and he, the, my counselor was very supportive and he actually gave me free, um, counseling at school, which was really sweet. They had a free therapy session at school, which I think was amazing and helped a lot. But with teachers, I think uh, they think you're lying sometimes. I actually had a teacher who thought I was lying about my mother's death to get out of school as this way of me saying, oh, my mom died, so I'm going to get out of homework. And actually, I turned in every homework on time. So it was very crazy to see how others dealt with it. So for you, finding somebody at school who could be that point of connection and, and perhaps advocate for you with teachers and other folks around what yeah. you were needing and maybe the ways in which you weren't able to you know, perform at the same level you could before. Yeah. Yeah. And there was other teachers who were so kind and supportive and they fully understood so there was kind of a, a balance. There was some teachers who thought I was lying, and then there were some teachers who were re very supportive and um, understood what I was going through. 
You know, in your writing on your blog, you you talk about the idea of being a motherless daughter. And, you know, that comes from the work of Hope Edelman and her book, Motherless Daughters and Motherless Mothers. What does that term mean to you? How, do, how does it fit with your sense of identity? Yes, I love Hope. She is such an amazing author. Before I even knew who Hope was, I kind of heard the term motherless daughter right when my mom passed away. So I was using this term as a very negative term at first. Oh, I'm just a motherless daughter. But then as I got older and I was realizing and seeing these podcasts and bloggers and authors who were motherless daughters, I kind of viewed it more as a community of these people and women just coming together and talking openly about not having your mom physically here. And it was so nice to just see that there was others who knew exactly what you were going through of all ages. So interesting. So the term moved for you from being maybe something that identified a deficit to a point of community opening and relationship building and and ways to find understanding with other people. Yeah, it was very odd because I was viewing it as such a final word as, oh, she has passed away, like a label. As I saw the community of motherless daughters, I realized it was just such a supporting community of people who just are openly sharing their stories about their moms and what they're going through. And so now I just talk about motherless daughters more for the sake of others and more for the sake of blogs and authors. I I don't I no longer use it as a negative term. I use it as a positive community-based term. Yeah, almost a like, hey, I'm over here too. Come find me kind of way. Yeah. So in our last moment together, Nicole, when you think through all of the items of clothing of your moms that you discovered and have been putting together with your with these outfits, in this moment today, which one stands out as a favorite? Mm, that's hard because there's so many. Um, I know. Sorry, super hard question that's to end okay. on. <laughs> it's actually an amazing question. Um, let me think. There is there. I can talk about two that really stand out, and they're both like okay. So there's a trench coat that she had, and I've seen her wear it before, all when I was younger, and what's still left on there is a cat pin of a cat um, looking at the moon and it's still on there even though it's kind of rusty and um, <laughs> got a little dirty I, uh, I still keep it on there because she loved cats and I love cats and it just reminds me of her and it I don't know it just really sticks with me and then the other one she would always wear a green sweatshirt and her perfume still lingers on it. And no matter how long or how many times I um, wash it, it still smells like her. And it's very odd, but (laughs) it's really comforting. I love that the two items you're speaking about today are ones that you have actual memories of seeing her wear. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And one of them I have posted on the blog. Well, Nicole, thank you so much for one, reaching out to us so we could find you to talk to on our episode today and for taking time to share a little bit about your story with us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was an amazing opportunity. This blog, I'm not blog, (laughs) this podcast has been such an eye-opening outlet for me to view. It really has changed the way I view grief. 
Well, we're so grateful for everyone who's been a guest and has told their story to help create, you know, as you mentioned, that community and that connection. Even if we aren't sitting face to face with people, there's still ways to find that understanding. Yeah, exactly. And listeners out there, thank you for tuning in today. And if you want to find any of our past episodes, the one that Nicole referred to was uh, episode 106 with Claire Bidwell-Smith talking all about grief and anxiety. So you can check that one out. You can find us in iTunes and Stitcher on our website, dougy.org. And if you do happen to go into iTunes, if you can leave us a review and a rating, it will help other folks uh, find our podcast. So thanks for listening. Hope you'll join us again next time.